men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Verse 25. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, and that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he will set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourself are seeing and hearing, i.e. the flaming tongue and the new languages. Verse 34. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself, that David says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucify. This elaborate quotation was quoted from the book of Psalm 16. Turn to Psalm 16 verse 8. Let's read what David said and what Peter quoted. Peter opened up by saying, I saw 
the Lord always before me. David wrote, I have set the Lord. Is that in your Bible? I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. Are you with me there? Okay, rejoices. My flesh or my body also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or Hades or grave or let your Holy One see corruption. You made known to me the path of life in your presence that is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we tremble at your feet, at the sound of your word. It is a fearful thing to fall into your hand and to take your word upon my lips to utter it, it is but a risk. And to expose ourselves to sit under the The sound of your word, it is but a risk. That if we preach it, and if we hear it, and do not do them, it is contemptuous. And who can stand before your holy anger? So grant that I may speak your word in truth, that I will not turn it and twist it to my own advantage. That's... I will not stand here to show how clever I am, but I must speak your word as you want me to speak it. That the reception of this word into this heart may be that it falls on a good soil and that it may bear fruit. Restrain Satan in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please return to your seat. Again, I, my desire today, by the end of this preaching, my, my motivation and what I want God to do for us is that we go away with a deeper appreciation of the Lordship of Christ. And that should inspire worship, fear, adoration, and perhaps repentance. Last time we looked at the fact of Peter's preaching. And I did mention that every gospel presentation must have as, it is, have as its component the birth, the life, the suffering, the resurrection, and the ascension and glorification of Christ as his component. 
If any of these peas be missing from our preaching, it is no good preaching. It is not holistic. It is like medication. Some of you that are pharmacy, you understand that if, if a particular drug is not compounded properly and some percentages of some inner constituents be missing, it will not do the job that it's tended to do. That's what, Paul, that's what Peter is doing. He's presenting the gospel, move the crowd away from the phenomena of the fire on their head and the new speech in their mouth to Jesus. Move them through the Old Testament now to the reality of Jesus and spoke about how God validated him and how men violated him and how God vindicated him by raising him from the dead. He is truly man. And the reason why they were able to touch him the way they touched him was that he was not a phantom. He was truly a man. And for the sake of our redemption, he identified with our humanity, with our weaknesses, took all of them on himself and was nailed to the cross. And he finished the work of redemption by atoning for our sins and now is seated at the right hand of God. And Peter continued in his preaching by fleshing out the other side of Jesus, that he's just not merely a special person from Nazareth, that he is actually God in the flesh. His full deity was never compromised or violated because of his incarnation. So Peter is fleshing out the fact that this Jesus that they kicked about and maligned and ultimately killed is not just a man, he is Lord. And the reason why he's doing this is to bring the Jews and his hearers to the point where the gospel fear will drive them to ask, what shall we then now do? The point of the gospel is to bring our sinfulness, our guilt, to the point where we are driven to fear and to sometimes to despair and ask one day, what then can I do to be saved? That is the point. Let me give this illustration. It's an illustration, but it's a real thing that happened. I had a family friend uh, in Kano some years ago, and the wife came to a prayer meeting and asked us to pray that the husband has been locked up by the police for the past four days. And we asked her, what did he do? He said, he did nothing. I said, police, police, well, no, police can be crazy, but they don't really lock you up if you've done nothing. He said, yeah, my husband is innocent. We two went to the police station. They brought the man to the counter. What did you do? He said, no, no. They have not told him what he has done. That he was working. It was a, a police, no, traffic, uh, traffic, traffic police. So he said, while I was doing my traffic work, the special unit came and picked me up and they locked me up. And we were praying. We release you now. We release you now. Until I think the fifth or sixth day, that's when they 
he knew what he did. Even though he was a church goer, he used to drink once in a while. So for energy and clarity, he took some things early in the morning while he was doing his work. And the commissioner of police disguised himself as a civilian and came and was just driving and actually stopped over to correct him that what you are, you are not, you are, unless you are under the influence of alcohol, you call these people, you call these people, you are calling people. <laughs> and, uh, and the CP say, what are you doing? And he slapped the man. Say, who are you? And the man said, you know who I am? He said, even though if you are, even though if you are the president, I will slap you again, I will slap you again. You know, some of these police, they don't even know they are CP. You understand? If they are, they, no, they don't, they are CP. And the man went away. And after some few hours, he asked his boys to go and pick the idiot and lock him up. So when they brought the man out, the man said, please, can of course, after five days, we are sober. Alcohol is gone. Please tell me what I have done. And they said, you slap CP. How can I slap CP? And the CP came out and said, you, it's not because you slapped me. How are you doing? Being drunk and working. What a gentleman, CP. In fact, the fact that it was CP he slapped, up to today, the man is still in dread. He, 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 after they released him, he began to have nightmares. The fact that he slapped commissioner of police. But you told him that even the president you can slap. It's like that. And, and, and that's why many of us, you see, sometimes, you know, some of us say, hey, if God is alive, let him come down here now. Let God come down here now. It is, who be God? And then come on, Amoroba, come into your house. And then I say, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, yes, sir. You are calling Amoroba, sir. Ah, sir, sir. First of all, you will tell them you have no money. They slap you. You say, oh, I have money. You know, your, your brain arranged. What Peter is doing is someone is that. That Jesus that you killed, that Jesus you killed, is Lord. And as I speak now, he has been exalted. Let me give you another example. Maybe you have a, a, a houseboy that used to wash your car, kick him around, insult him, insult his father, tell him he will be nothing, he will be nothing. And then somehow you now heard that that guy who is now a senator, you know, he, he does something in, in your belly. So really? And then, if you are humble enough, you want to put words in your mouth and start making calls. Or you will start telling people, it's my son. It's my son, you know. Uh, it, 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 it's my son, you know, he was in my house. I used to feed him. You won't tell people the other side of the abuse. Or how will you feel if the small house girl in your house that you sexually abused in those days, is now the wife of the governor. And now he's championing gender sexual abuse. <laughs> he's championing gender. You know they'll come for you. You want to really make amends. And then you become, all of a sudden, you become a Christian. All of a sudden, you become a pastor. Actually, some people become pastors for some real reasons. All of a sudden, 
I'll be a monk, I'll be a monk, I'll be a monk. That's what Peter is doing. That the Jesus, this Jesus that you killed is Lord and Christ. Is Lord and Christ. <clears throat> and <clears throat> of course they were terrified. We'll, we'll look at that uh, next time. But let's look at two things today. The idea that Jesus is Lord, Peter highlighted it by the title he gave Christ. That's the first thing we will look at. The title that he gave to Christ. Look at verse 25. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoice. Don't ask me why David used the word set and Peter used the word saw. That's another story for another day. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your, your Holy One see corruption. You know, the idea of the Holy One this title is properly uh, for Christ. Let me run through some scriptures to show that if you see the Holy One or Holy One in the Old Testament is referring to God and the, the, the theophany, the revelation of God in the Old Testament, i.e. Christ. Isaiah 43 verse 15 Isaiah 43 verse 15 I am the Lord your Holy One creator of Israel, your king. Isaiah 48, verse 17, thus says the Lord, Isaiah 48, verse 17, thus says the Lord, your redeemer, the holy one of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you go. Psalm 78, verse 41, they tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 45 verse 11, Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and the one who formed him, ask me of things to come. Will you command me concerning my children and the works of my hands? Uh, let me just, by the way, you see that line I read now? In other, in some translation, it says, concerning the works of my hand, command ye me. Some of you smiling have violated God with this scripture and have buffeted him. Lord, we command you now. And I, I don't know why God has not killed you up to now. Or dare to command him. Can't even command DPO. He's the Holy One. And the, the person and work of Christ is compound with the idea of holiness. God himself is thrice holy. Isaiah 6, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And uh, the fact that he was, the fact that he is worthy to be our redeemer, and I'm referring to Hebrews 7, 
is that he is holy, unstained, and separate from sinners. So on one hand, he is human. On the other hand, he is God. So that holiness, the, the kind of holiness that would befit the offering that God will accept may be his. He's holy. And, the, 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 and, and he's holy. We, we see that fact of holiness. It's not obvious, but it's there. It talks about my eyes. Verse 25. My eyes, I saw the Lord before me. I, I saw the Lord always before me. Or I set the Lord always before me as the holy man and the holy God, the second person of the Trinity. God is always before his eyes. There is no separation between the Son and the Father. It is the Son and the Father that have this alwaysness in terms of sight. It is the Son that is able to lock eyes into the eyes of the Father and as Father lock eyes into the eyes of the Son. We look at the position again. It's a, uh, he is at my right hand, and uh, I, I may not be shaken. He's fixed. His position as to his relationship with God is fixed. It is not subject to change. He is at the right hand of God, and God is at his right hand. And it talks about the, the gladness of his heart. Is this Jesus is the man whose joy and gladness is not the product of alcohol and circumstances. His heart is full of gladness. If you look at verse 28, you will make me full of gladness. There is the pleroma of gladness in the heart of our Savior. Never a dull moment. He, can, he was never discouraged at any time. And he talked about his mouth. These are imagery. Talk about his mouth. Uh, he said, my tongue rejoices. There is no guile found in his mouth. There is no foul language except thanksgiving. And he talks about his body, his entirety. His body dwells in hope. The hope of resurrection. The hope. And these are the things that David spoke in the book of Psalms. And what Peter is saying is it. This cannot be David. <laughs> this cannot be David. You know David. This, David cannot be called the Holy One. He was never holy. Except for the grace of God. He was never holy. That guy. <laughs> he was running around from Saul. Before he became a king. He had four wives already. And most of them are people's ex-wives. He, no, he's not a holy one. David is never the holy one. You know that. I don't want to list his sins before you today. You know him. A man with 300 women cannot be holy. Cannot be holy. Cannot be holy. Even in his dying days, a virgin was procured to keep him alive. That was his medicine. 
The, David was not the man that set the Lord always before his eyes. The day he was looking on Bathsheba, the Lord was not before his eyes. You can't look at Bathsheba and the Lord simultaneously. The reason why you don't have eyes behind your back is that you look at one thing. One time. Oh, David mouth. David mouth. Oh, David mouth. David body. And there's no way David's body will not, dis- will not be decayed. There's nothing to resurrect from his body. The man was a man of war. The man of war. In fact, God spoke to his servant. He said, David wants to build me a house. He said, you know, get hands. Even his hands are so filthy that God said, your intention is good, but which hand will build me a house? He's a man of blood. His body was ravaged by adultery and sexual perversions of all kinds. His thoughts, how can he be a holy man? Was able to even imagine that Uriah should come, give him some alcohol, some henneken, so he can go home, sleep with his wife, cover his uh, adultery, and then the man refused to go home. How he planned it, wrote a letter, put in the man's hand. This is not the man that have God always in his heart. So the, when you are reading the book of Psalms, it is, we thank God for the illumination of the Holy Spirit through the apostolic ministry and through the ministry of Jesus that gave us understanding that David was not just a king, but as a prophet. He foresaw the days of Messiah and he penned down those prophecies. For example, he said, I shall not die, but live. That many of you have quoted several times, I shall not die. I shall not die. You know, you know, you don't want to die. You will die. Why? Corruption. This body is the body of death. When it goes down, it will decay inevitably. The reason why Christ was not left in the grave to decay is that he is the Holy One, the Son of the Living God. He is beyond the realm of what we call human. It is not the grave gave him up. One, he was innocent. That's another thing. His innocence was not enough that he is God. Gods are not in the grave. And for some of us that worship Africa, our forefathers, our forefathers, if the reason why your forefathers are powerless is that they are in the grave. If they are, if, if, if they are deity, deities are not in the grave. Deities and corruption don't stay together. If your forefather died and is being corrupted by the earth, he cannot be your God. He cannot. He cannot necessarily. And then you have, you are so proud as a professor to talk about your forefathers who are now in the grave and can only speak from the grave. God beheld his son and as he looked upon his son he is much more than human the second person of the trinity and God has vowed that he will set a righteous man on the throne of David and this promise is now being fulfilled he is the holy one he is God secondly the fact of his deity, the fact of his godness, is saying 
in the exaltation of Christ. When, I mean, Peter explained from verse 29 about the fact that this prophecy was not for David. David died, his tomb with them. And verse 33 said, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out these that you yourself are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand. The person, why Jesus, <laughs> David, and I, and I think this quotation from Psalm 110, Psalm 110, Psalm 110. Correct me from the Lord said to my Lord. So, David was not referring to himself as Lord. He's talking about intra Trinitarian conversation between the Father and the Son. The Lord, the God the Father, the Yahweh, speak to Adonai, says, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. And when he was done with our work here, God raised him from the grave because he is worthy to be raised from the grave. He is God. And God not just raised him from the grave, caused an ascension to happen. Sometimes our preaching lacks this component of Christ's ascension. And this is a prophet of liturgical worship of Anglicanism and some parts of Roman Catholicism where all these issues are highlighted, the day of ascensions, the day of this, so that it reminds the church what the gospel is all about. He came out of the grave, and on a day good, God caused him to come up to heaven. And as they were beholding him on Mount Olives, he moved up and ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father. He has been exalted. And God gave him a name that is above all name and called him both Lord and Christ. Look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 17. Colossians 3 verse 17. Whatever you do in words or did do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Philippians 2 verse 9 to 11. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. First Peter 3 verse 15. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence. So God exhorted him. He is now seated the right hand of the invisible God. This is beyond the counts 
of what is called humanity is God. His, his deity is proven in his exaltation. His body, his human body, though remained with him perpetually, was glorified in his ascension. And he ascended into heaven. He himself said this. No one has seen the Lord before. No one came from heaven except me. And no one has ascended into heaven except the Son of Man. Ascension is a prerogative of the second person of the Godhead who came here and was inhumanized. That was his birthright. If he was not God in the flesh, there is no way this honor and privilege will come upon him. These are markers that he is the son of God. Grace could not hold him and this earth could not contain him. He took up his rightful place at the right hand of God the Father and now reigns supreme from there unto the consummation of all things. Amen. Such is our Savior. Holy God, holy man, holy Messiah, holy God in human flesh, die for our sake, lifted up for our justification, ascended for our glorification, ascended so he can offer a perpetual sacrifice on behalf of his people. He is seated on the right hand of God the Father. Few days from this moment of Peter's preaching, one of the apostles, one of the disciples, one of the deacons were arrested. His name was Stephen. And as they were killing him and stoning him, his, he, the heavens opened. And he said, I see God. I see heaven open. And I can see Jesus standing at the right hand of God the Father. He is an exalted Lord. Edda Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, Hare Krishna, none, no other deity, all the deities of our, of our African traditional religion, none of them have this privilege. He is the sole Christ. He is the sole anointed one, the sole Messiah, the sole Savior. In him, the entirety of salvation cohere and are compounded Outside him, there is no salvation and there is no peace between man and God. Two things we saw today supporting the fact of his deity is the fact of his title, the Holy One. And he is not just a title. You know, some of us bear some title that we are not worthy. Honorable. <laughs> and you are stealing even laptop. Honorables. You know, what's... Uh, <laughs> How many of you saw that most of our senators now their offices have been vandalized, according to them? Honorable. 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 Your Excellency. You are a thief. Not even thief. Thief. Like, like thief. Proper one. Excellency. Monkey swallow money. Excellency. Snake, swallow money, excellency. Am I honorable? Or oh, some of us created like reverend, you know? Some of my friends in other denominations, 
I can't remember the last time I called them by their first name because that would be an offense. Their name is not called Reverend. You know their name again, Reverend sir. Reverend sir. And as Reverend becomes popular, you add it on, right Reverend. Yes, right Reverend. And then you add it again, very Reverend. What is very Reverend? <laughs> I mean, you cannot be very right. If you are right, you are right. You cannot be very, very right. And then people like, well, it's a canon, prelate, bishop, archbishop. All your privileges is that, well, you use jeep, you have bodyguard, your meat is bigger than the meat of other people. That's all. You live in the house, bigger than everyone. That's all. But you yourself know that the title you are bearing, but our Lord is not like that. There was no sin found in him. The day he stood before Pontius Pilate, they looked for people to accuse him. Nothing. They were looking for, every, they were looking for anything. And those guys, they were like Nigerian DSS. They will arrest you first. And then they are looking for evidences. They looking for evidences. He was a righteous man. The reason why he's worthy of our trust today is that he's a righteous man. That name he bore, he lived it. The holy one of Israel. The holy one of Israel. Not stained with sin. He was tempted by Satan 40 days in the wilderness. He was tempted, yet never yielded to sin. And we see that fact in the fact that the Lord exalted him above everything and gave him a name and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. Quick point of application then will let you go for food and reflect on this the entirety of the day. Now, this is the that's Peter preaching to those guys to, to scare them that this Jesus that we are talking about, that you are caricaturing is Lord and Christ. He will mention some of these things in the next sermon. He said, now for us here, let me repeat what Peter said. This Jesus that we can't do comedy is Lord. Are you sure you know that he's Lord? Because we live in an age of democracy and free markets. We don't really know what Lord means. Because who is Lord here now? There's nothing like Lord. Lord is just like a title now in England that if you are knighted, uh, Lord this, Lord that. Or the House of Lords, the House of Commons. Uh, but the idea of Lord is that an average middle class person in antiquity who have slaves, who have servants that he purchased with his money. They are they're called bond servants who is lord over them. And as lord, he does have 100% authority over them. So he can actually kill you or cause you to leave you are at his pleasure. Lord means you are in that man's pocket and you are under his shoe. When you are talking about a servant and his Lord, you can't contemplate equality and right. True or false? The idea of equality, human rights, in a, in a lineable, <laughs> it, it doesn't work there. Lord and servant. Because Even us that are Christian, 
We've not appreciated this fact well. And many of us that are short goers have not appreciated this well. You know, we knock Jesus, 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 Jesus. Ah, Jesus. Jesus, oh. Even those who are committing sin sometimes when they feel pain, they will mention who? Jesus. He is Lord. And he is now glorified. And there is nothing we can do about it. Even if we take David now and make him our new Messiah, the fact of his lordship is a complete, is a done deal. We can alter it. Even as a church, we can have our meeting and say, you know, yesterday I was listening to radio and uh, there this church called the Brotherhood of Stars and what? Awesome. You know them. They're also on radio. Everything's on radio now. And they were calling, one of their bishops in Liberia was phoning and was saying that, oh, the highest church in Liberia. He said, we thank God. Our God is with, our God is with us. And our God, our, and the Holy Spirit in person is with us. That's how they call him. The, the, Oluba, the, Olu, the Olumba, Olumba is, 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 is the Holy Spirit in human body. No matter how we balkanize Christianity and blaspheme the name of God, the fact of Christ's lordship is a faint accomplishment. There's nothing you can do about it. One of these days, you will know that he is Lord. It's either you know it now in your living experience, or you will know it when you are in the casket. You will know him. Because all tongue will confess ultimately that he is Lord. Let me give you a few, one, or, one or two scriptures as I close. Hebrews. should be Hebrews 10. Verse 28. If I miss it, Hebrews 10, verse 28. Be sure. Turn to Hebrews 10. Oh, yes. Verse 28. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be desired by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall to the hand of the living God. You see, this, the passage that Peter quoted, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit and my, until I make your enemies your fools too. Though sometimes, when I read that scripture, the enemy you are thinking is the one that has made you barren. The enemies you are thinking is the Boko Haram leader. That's the enemy you are thinking. The enemies you are thinking is a, your boss in the office that has hidden your file. 
The enemy you are thinking is your neighbor or your landlord who is has been a pin in your neck. See, the enemies that the Bible contemplates is anyone who is not in Christ. If you are not on the side of Christ and you are not in Christ, you are his enemies. And two things God is doing now is he's harvesting his people to his kingdom and those who are not his, they have been trampled underfoot. And on the last day, those ones who go away from him into everlasting punishment in hell. You are an enemy of Christ. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, you are his enemy. And if the law of Moses was of much weight, a law that would be set aside in the fullness of time, and had been set aside in the fullness of time, how much more those who trample Jesus underfoot by not honoring him as Lord. Secondly, if Jesus is Lord, the redemption exercise was legitimate. When he came here to die on our behalf, he was, he was not just, um, how do you call this? Uh, it's not just an, um, a meddling uh, interloper. It wasn't that some persons were suffering there and then he came to rescue them. You shall call his name Jesus for his people from their sin. It is for the sake of his people. When he came here, he is Lord over his people. And because of the title deeds to his people, he came here legitimately to salvage that that belongs to him. Amen. So it wasn't like a random work of salvation that Christ just effects. It is like a man that owned a slave and the slave ran away. And for the premium he placed on the slave, he go after the slave to get the slave back. Like a reparation, a repatriation of his people. We were his people and he came to grab us and save us back to himself. Redemption was not an illegitimate activity. It wasn't a help of an outsider. Redemption is that he is Lord over his people and because his people were strange and suffering, he came to save them. And finally, if you are a Christian and you do acknowledge him as Lord, what a privilege. You are under a sure government. And I've said this again and again. When people ask me where I get my confidence from, I will answer this way. The reason why I'm this confident everywhere I go and fearless is that I have a Lord and I bow the knees to him on daily basis. And he knows me and I bow my knees to him. He's my Lord. You touch me, you touch him. Because we are, his, we are the apples of his eyes. I don't have any fear. I'm always in his will. I am under a sure covenant. I have confidence. I have joy. I have gladness. Regardless of my earthly circumstances. It's a security. It's a sure ground that I am standing. My hope is built on nothing else. 
than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I did not trust the sweetest friend. But wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All of that ground sinking sand. You are under a sure government and security. He has saved you. He's holding you. He will get you to the gates of Zion. Amen. Amen. Jesus is Lord. And if he is Lord, let him be Lord of all. Lord over your life, Lord over your pocket, Lord over your privacy, Lord over your job, Lord over your finances, Lord over all. For one person said, if he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Heavenly Father, let this acknowledgement hit us today that we walk out from this place with fear and trembling, but with joy that we are under a sure government, that as we bow our knees to you, you will honor us with eternal life and with glorification at the end of our stay on earth or when you come back. Let this blessedness be for those who are yet to come into the fold of Christ that you open their eyes and see you as both Lord and Christ and grab the hem of your garment now that the time is still available. Oh, Father, we rejoice. We rejoice at this. You are Lord. You are Lord of all the earth. You are Lord over our lives. May your name be hallowed and glorified in Jesus' name.